For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. On today's episode, a look back at the Panthers' Week 8 loss to the Atlanta Falcons on the road and a matchup this Sunday against the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. And welcome to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast brought to you on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my esteemed co-host. He is a 13-year NFL veteran, the first defensive player ever selected in the NFL draft by the Carolina Panthers back in 1995. Two-time Super Bowl winner Tyrone Poole. What's going on, Ty? Hey, Desmond. How you doing, man? How you doing? And hello to all of the Carolina faithfuls who believe in the podcast. Keep pounding. And uh, the Panthers hit the halfway pole of the 2020 Corona season here, uh, three and five on the season, uh, taking a loss to the Atlanta Falcons on the road. We'll get into that in just a minute. Of course, the way we normally do this, uh, myself and Ty will give you a couple of takeaways we we saw from that actual matchup. It was a Thursday night matchup, the the only primetime matchup that the Carolina Panthers will have this season. Um, And then we'll get into the upcoming matchup, 1 p.m. this Sunday on Fox, where uh, the Panthers will travel to the world champion Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, they won't have a full house, Tyrone, so it won't be as loud as it normally is in Arrowhead. Arrowhead's one of the, the more louder uh, places to play in all of the NFL. So the Panthers will have that with them, and they might have a couple extra players that they didn't have the past couple of weeks with them on that trip. So we'll get into that in just a bit. Before we recap Panthers versus Falcons, Got to let you know about our sponsor at Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, y'all, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The Carolina Panthers taking on the Atlanta Falcons this past Thursday night, uh, losing to the Falcons 25 to 17 behind a strong defensive performance from the Atlanta Falcons. And Ty, I'm going to let you go first here. We typically give our, our takeaways from the previous week's game. And we've had a little bit extra time to think about this one. The Panthers basically going to have 10 days between uh, games here, almost like a mini buy when you play that, 
early Thursday night game, and then off the play again until the following Sunday. Uh, what was one of the uh, first takeaways from this Panthers Falcons game? A twenty five seventeen loss that dropped the Panthers to three and five for you. Well, I guess you look at the standpoint. I start with defense. Uh, Jeremy Chin, Trey Boston, Brian Burns. You know those guys. Shaq Thompson. They still are the headliners. And they're still making plays and still trying to help that defense that's still young. So uh, that's the first takeaway that I get. I look at that um, these guys are still stepping up on defense, uh, on offense. Yeah, you know, you still, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, he's beginning to have that up and down uh, type of game that I look at it. Uh, you know, one game he's doing good, next game he's down. Uh, so, uh, the takeaway is from that is, you know, Teddy, I'm pretty sure being a pro, he's going to step his game up and come back against the Chiefs, which we'll talk about later on. Uh, but having that steady uh, completion is what I'm trying to say, long story short. But <laughs> 15 to 23, you know, he was, you know, he's still throwing the ball uh, where he needs to throw it. Uh, but I just need to see, uh, he's going to pretty much have to carry carried his team, but they may have some good news with uh, Christian McCaffrey coming back. So maybe that'll take a little bit of pressure if he's up to, if Christian is up to speed. But the takeaway is the defense. You know, I look at Jeremy Chin, Trey Boston, Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson. You know, these guys are still out there trying to make things happen on that defense. Yeah, you know, uh, you touched on Teddy Bridgewater, and I got to admit, the past two or three weeks, I'm actually starting to have some doubt about not Teddy as a football player, but I think the main question when it came to Teddy when the Panthers brought him in on this three-year deal, there was almost like a, a tryout type deal to see if Teddy could actually be the quote-unquote face of a franchise or a franchise quarterback. And I've heard, you know, Panther talking heads, beat writers and whatnot go back and forth on this throughout the 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 year where one week is yet Teddy played fantastic. He could absolutely be here three to five years. And then the next gets like, uh, I don't know. And it's kind of, it's almost like a, it's, it's starting to level out, like in term of like law of averages, like what we got. Yeah. He's got a great completion percentage. He's, he's still second in the league in completion percentage at like 73%. Uh, like you said, top 15 for 23, only threw for a buck 76 in that game. Granted it was raining. Teddy took a vicious late hit to the head in the third quarter. Uh, ended up coming back uh, and tried to drive the Panthers down the field to tie the game and got intercepted there at the very end. Uh, only one touchdown, one interception, which was that that play, a 43.9 QBR. It's starting to feel like part of it is because he, he's been missing his number one weapon, Christian McCaffrey. You don't have the best running back in the league behind you. It probably changes you know, the expectations on your shoulders, I guess. But one of the takeaways I took from it was that. Although in the Falcons game, I don't know how much I can blame Teddy because the main takeaway I took from that game, the Panthers offensive line played like hot garbage <laughs> in that game. Like they were basically turnstiles. Uh, I don't know. It looked almost like the Falcons saw something on tape from the game they played against the uh, the Panthers a couple weeks prior. Some sort of uh, hole in the scheme or something they could exploit. And then they just exploited it all night long with blitzing. Uh, from that defensive front, Grady Jarrett, the Panthers never adjusted for Grady Jarrett in this game, and he was just a disruptive force in the backfield all day, made Teddy's night super uncomfortable. Uh, they just didn't look right. The center, Matt Paredes, Parat Paredes, I think I pronounced that right, he played probably his worst game of the year. Like He literally looked like a turnstile at a subway. Like He just 
was he looked lost more more often than not. Chris Reed got benched. Uh, I know they're swapping guys in and out. Russell Okung has been hurt. Uh, you know, a, a former Pro Bowl left tackle, uh, so he's been in and out of the lineup. But that offensive line, if they can't get Teddy the the protection that he was getting in those first couple of games of the season, where he was back there for five or six seconds waiting on his players to get open, it turns the dynamic of this offense into what we saw on Thursday night, and I did not like what I saw. So the, one of the main things I saw was that offensive line needing to tighten up. Like it just they were not ready for Atlanta and the onslaught that they brought on uh, in prime time. I agree with you, Desmond. You know, you prime time, that's when everybody's going to see you and you got to bring your best silverware and uh, the Panthers, they put the uh, plastic plates out there uh, Thursday <laughs> night instead of that china. Nope. So, no kidding. Yeah. It wasn't even the good paper plates. It's the ones that fold when you put like a hamburger <laughs> on them. Like it was, it was bad. I was sitting there watching like, what, what is going on here? Because we, we've been praising them about keeping Teddy clean, you know, like people hadn't really been getting to Teddy Bridgewater. And I think Chicago unlocked some kind of cheat code or something where they showed like the rest of the league how to really put apply pressure to this Panther offense. Because ever since that that Bears game, it feels like the Panthers offense has been sputtering a little bit in terms of getting comfortable. The Falcons never let the offense get comfortable uh, while they were playing. The other thing that I saw the depth on the defense is paper thin. Like, you know, no Kwan short. He's out for the year. The second round uh, pick, Yatura Gross Matos, the defensive end that was starting to show some flashes, he's been out. Uh, Justin Burris in the secondary, he was out. Rasheel Douglas was on COVID uh, reserve, so he was out. Although, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I checked the injury report before we started this, and he was back at practice on Wednesday. So we should be getting him back. And head coach Matt Rule mentioned that, you know, when the Panthers were ranked in the top 10 in pass defense, they had Rasheel Douglas back there. You know, he was and he hadn't been playing the past couple of weeks, and they've been getting torched by uh Drew Brees and Matt Ryan in particular the past two weeks. So uh getting those guys back should be good uh for this upcoming matchup because they're definitely gonna need it, having to take on the the high octane Kansas City Chiefs offense. Um but to me, they can't afford to have a guy go down. Dante Jackson's playing with a bum toe. Uh, and and the Falcons did pick on him in the first half with Julio Jones, uh, but he did have a you know a, a timely interception that led to a score for us. We you, you got to have Dante Jackson out there. You got to have Rajul Douglas out there. Uh, they really need some more help up front. But the Panther defense they can't afford to lose any bodies right now. I, I thought I, it felt like this while I was watching it. I don't know if you really noticed it, but did you realize in the past two games the Panthers have only forced one punt yeah that's not a it's not that's a good not, sign that's not yeah. good yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not good saying, at all <laughs> no not at all that's basically saying your third down defense is is is, is suffering it's so third, it's team, dead last they are that, dead last in the nfl on third down uh defense efficiency yeah. right now and you know so. usually a lot of that comes from the fact that if you can't stop the run you know, on first down, when team run the ball, they're picking up five, six yards. So now it's second and and four. They got two downs to get four yards. So, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on any defense. The key to third down is you got to limit, limit as much as you can what a team does on first down. Because typically what the old, I guess, blueprint for offensive coordinators on first down, majority of the time they're going to run the ball. 
Then second right. down, they'll come back and try to do a little dump pass or whatever, uh, depending on what they how much they pick up on first down. And then third down, again, de- depending on uh, how much they need for the first. So when you get a team that is third and five, third and four, you basically give them a run-pass option. And most defenses, you got to either pass, stopping defense, call, or you got to run, stopping defense, call. Or if you call that middle-of-the-road defense, which I think some people call that uh, the uh, uh, prevent defense, <laughs> that's that middle-of-the-road, you're going to give a, up a little bit of run, but you're not going to give a lot of pass. But when you basically have a team that is third and five, third and short, then it's tough to call a defense because if you call a pass defense, then they run the ball, they gash you for the run. They gash you. And if you call a run defense, now they dump it off to the uh, running back or a quick pass to the wide receiver. So until the Panthers fix that first down, I think first down play, then I think that third down uh, percentage should go up or, or go down, should I say. They have a high efficiency in third down. It costs a lot of teams to punt more. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about this throughout the season. There's a reason why the Panthers spent their entire draft on defense. Uh, all, seven plick, all seven picks were defensive players. And if I'm not mistaken, all of those players have played some sort of uh, time uh, during this season. But it, it, it really hasn't been just the past two games. Really, if you think back to the beginning of the year all the way to now, it feels like every single game that whoever the Panthers are playing against pretty much have been able to move the ball with ease up and down the field. Now, the Panthers tighten up every once in a while once you get into the red zone, which has led to them uh, forcing teams to kick field goals, and that's how they've been keeping games close. Uh, but two factors, that, in particular the past two weeks that have started to happen where the Panthers have not been able to overcome it, which has resulted in losses, I mentioned that they've only forced one punt in their last two games. They, Tyrone, they've only forced 23 punts all season. They've only forced 23 punts in eight games. So basically, teams are just going up and down the field on this Panther defense. And again, we mentioned, you know, injuries, age. It's a lot of young guys out there, you know, learning the system on the fly. No preseason, no OTAs to install this stuff. New staff. We get it. You know, people have, you know, picked what the Panthers are going to be. And to me, they're ahead of expectations. But the second half of the season is a beast on the Panthers schedule. So we'll kind of see where they end up here. Uh, after they get through these next eight games. Um, didn't want to mention uh, Panther news before we move on to the the preview for Panthers and Chiefs. Uh, Christian McCaffrey did practice full and on Wednesday. He's expected to practice Thursday. They're checking to see you know how his, uh, his body holds up. But by all accounts, he has not been placed on the active roster yet. I think that's primarily due to the fact that if he's not on the active roster, they don't have to put him on the injury report. So... I think they'll wait to the last minute to actually activate him. Pretty sure he's going to play. Uh, Rasheel Douglas, as I mentioned before, was on the reserve COVID list. Uh, he has been taken off. He was a full participant in practice on Wednesday as well. Uh, definitely a boost in the secondary that we will need taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so both those guys will be uh, back in action. Haven't heard about Justin Burris yet. Uh, I'll check on that as well. But the Panthers getting a little healthy with this quote-unquote mini-buy uh, 10 days in between games as they take on uh, the Chiefs. Speaking of the Chiefs, 7-1 and one on the season. Panthers 3-5. and five. Fox, 1 p.m. Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I'm a little concerned about Jeremy Chin, uh, Tyrone. He, he's, he did not practice on Wednesday with a knee injury that apparently he suffered in the Falcons game. Uh, not sure if he's going to go or not as we're at this part of the week. 
but uh, I, I, I would feel very, I'd feel more comfortable if who I consider the the prize of the rookie class we drafted is out there, uh, roaming the secondary with uh, big Pat Mahomes getting ready to to do some work. Yeah, well, not only Jeremy Chin <clears throat> is an important part, but Sam Franklin uh, is going to have to step up, and Trey Boston is just going to have to take more control of that secondary uh, as he is the leading guy. Uh, Dante Jackson, you know, Douglas, you know, these guys going to have to step up. Uh, Troy Pride Jr., uh, he's going to get a lot of playing time. So this Kansas City Chiefs offense, they run three wides. Andy Reid, I think, is a tremendous uh, play caller. And uh, you, you just got so many weapons uh, for this Chiefs. Uh, you know, they got bail now. I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know, once he gets into the system and he gets his head right, you know, he's a great receiver out the backfield, very patient runner. And we know that the Kansas City Chiefs, they love to throw and run. Again, it's going to be a tremendous task for the Panthers defense. And I think what we're going to probably see is the Panthers offense try to slow down their pace to try to keep the defense off the field. So, uh, But, again, we've seen teams do that over and over and over, and I'm pretty sure the Kansas City Chiefs know that's what teams are going to try to do, and that's why they're so explosive and they can score from anywhere on the field. Uh, last week, they really didn't do too much, run the ball on the ground, but they had a field day in the air. So, you know, it's like pick or choose, which which you want the blue peel or the red peel. Either mm -hmm. one of them are dangerous. So you take away the defense, you take away the run, or you take away the pass. Uh, so it's going to be a tremendous task uh, for the Panthers. And if they could pull a win out, man, I'm like, People will ask themselves, well, how come we lost to the Atlanta Falcons? How come we lost these other teams? We can go out here and beat the Chiefs in their place. And, and so it's going to be a lot of uh, things that have to happen. Uh, Any given Sunday. Any given Any Sunday, given right? Sunday, exactly. There's going to be a lot of things to happen before these Panthers can really be secure that they can go into Kansas City and have a win. I, you know, uh, there was a question I wanted to ask you, and it actually stems from a different conversation I was having uh, on my, my weekday uh talk show uh, that stemmed around Michael Jordan and LeBron James, the whole conversation. And it dawned on me that, that Jordan is a little, well, Jordan's a lot different than other athletes because at the time, if you remember, people were considering Michael Jordan the GOAT while he was still playing. It wasn't, a, it, it wasn't an issue of after he was done, kind of looking back at his career and figuring out if he was the GOAT or not. We knew he was the GOAT while he was still active. The man had a statue of himself in front of his place of business. <laughs> like while he was going to work every day, he's got a passive 40-foot statue of him. So I'm trying to figure this out because I was late to the Pat Mahomes game. Uh, I didn't want to believe the kid was doing what he was doing. Uh, his MVP season, you know, 50 touchdowns. I think he had like five interceptions, something crazy like that. And really he was a false start away from uh, – or offsides, I should say, from probably going to a Super Bowl that year. Uh, the Patriots ended up beating them in that game. But I wanted to ask you about that because I'm hearing more and more people call Pat Mahomes the GOAT. This is, what, third season, if I'm not mistaken, or third year as a starter. Uh, he's got an impressive resume, you know, league MVP, Super Bowl MVP, uh, worth about half a billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, and he's doing – he's on pace right now, uh, that MVP season when he was doing no-look passes, left-handed push like passes, <laughs> passing across the chest, across the field, 40 yards. He was doing stuff we had never seen before. He's not having to do that this year, 
but he's still on pace to have the same stats he did in that season. In fact, he's the first player in NFL history with at least 20 passing touchdowns. He's at 21 right now and one or fewer interceptions through the first eight games of the season. Like to me, that's amazing. When you think of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, all these guys, none of them ever did this. Like, where do you stand on the whole anointing a person the goat while they're still playing? Because I'm seeing this more and more now from not just talking heads and beat writers and uh, you know sports anchors or whatnot. I'm seeing players kind of echoing this whole. They're looking at him as that's that dude. Like he is the one. Like age doesn't matter. We've seen enough. Was it? Were there guys like that when you were playing on other teams where like people just kind of knew that's that dude? Like. There, there's no question that guy is the top of his sport. And did you guys talk about it like that in, that, in those terms? Desmond, I'm not going to answer that question about the GOAT, man. Uh, but I'll say this. Um, <laughs> I was wondering man, if you yeah. were. I was wondering if you go go. I was wondering if you go no, answer that question. Seriously, you know, you got to look at the NBA. The NBA and the NFL are run totally different. The NBA, they look for that face of the NBA. So they crown Michael Jordan. They crown Michael Jordan as that guy that we're going to make him the face of the NBA. So we're going to put him out there and we're going to put him in the media. We're going to do this. We're going to give him commercial. We're going to do this. Same thing they did with LeBron. They had to pass the torch from Michael. We're going to anoint either Kobe or we're going to anoint LeBron. But we need another face. The NFL is not like that, man. The NFL is a team sport. No one guy is bigger than the shield. Now, if you want to talk about uh, you know, someone's career, you got to play it out. Of course, the young people now, they're not going to talk bad about nobody, the young players, you know, but you talk to some old players. They're going to say, yeah, he got talent. But I know guys who did this and they did it for 10 straight years. Come back and talk to me in 10 straight years. So, you know, depending on who you talk to, but is he talented? Yes, he is. Uh, does Andy Reid have a lot to do with that? Yes, he does. It's kind of like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, or you go Dan Faust and uh, Don Coriel, mm. or you go uh, uh, Joe um, Montana and Bill Walsh, you know, Brett Favre, it, 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 Mike Holmgren. So, you know, it's too early. It's too early uh, to even even let that come out of somebody's mouth. The goat, man. I'm like, that's like, the, what does the goat stand for? It said the greatest of all greatest time. Of all time. So you can't. How you gonna call somebody <laughs> the greatest of all times? And they haven't even played as long as other people who are considered the greatest of all time. So I'm like, you can't. I'm like, sometimes people just want to have talk just because that's the hottest topic right now. Yeah. And uh, you know, so I don't buy into that stuff. You know, talk to me after you know he plays some career, uh, you know, a lengthy career, and then we'll come back and compare and see what his stats are. But I think Andy Reid has a lot to do with that. He did it with Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia. It's just that Donovan didn't win as many Super Bowls. Uh, but if Donovan had won some Super Bowls, then Donovan's name would have been up there as well. You, you bring up an excellent point with head coach Andy Reid for the Kansas City Chiefs. And the first name that came to my mind as you were talking about him, it wasn't Donovan McNabb. It was Mike Vick. That one year that he had Mike Vick where Mike Vick turned into a video game character with the Philadelphia Eagles. You remember that game against the Redskins with Monday Night Football? He literally, like, first play of the game, throws, like, a 90-yard bomb to Deshaun, <laughs> Deshaun uh, Jackson and it set the tone for the whole – he threw, like, four or five touchdowns that night. Uh, had, like, a perfect QBR rating. And all that was Andy Reid. Like, he basically, Mike Vick was like a bowl of clay, and Andy Reid just molded it into this perfect bowl of uh, of quarterbacking. And 
you you made me remember that and you were mentioning all the things around Pat Mahomes. I'm with you. Like, I can't anoint this dude the greatest of all time. He's played three years. <laughs> I mean, I know he's got like, you know, he's got some awards and some hardware. He's won a Super Bowl. Yes. But I, I'm with you. Football's longevity a little bit to me. Like right now, I think the GOAT quarterback would be Tom Brady just off of he's played 20 years. He's won six Super Bowls. No one's done that before. Uh, league MVPs. He's done it all. So, I mean, that's basically what he's battling against. But I have come around the past year or so on Pat Mahomes in terms of this dude is doing stuff that I've never seen any quarterback do before. Like some of the passes he's completing, he he is more prone to be that guy to go, how did he do that on a Sunday than anybody else playing in the league right now? And I've given up on trying to make excuses on, oh, well, he's not as good as this or you know, he, he needs more time or anything like that. I'm, I'm willing to live in the moment in terms of Pat Mahomes. However, this is the worst week to live in the moment with Pat Mahomes because our team is going up to Arrowhead to play him. <laughs> so they got to figure out how to defend this guy. The Chiefs, they are fourth in offensive yards per game in the league. They average over 410 yards per game. They're fourth in the league in passing, 286 yards per game. They are fourth in third down efficiency. 49.5% of the time they convert their third down. So pretty much every other time they're going to convert a third down, which we just touched on as an issue for the Panthers defense in that Falcons game. They, uh, well, the offense for the Panthers, they can't convert themselves and the defense can't get off the field uh, in th- on third down. The Panthers offense converting at a 20% clip in that, re- that Falcons game, two of 10. So one of the things I wanted to touch on for ways to try to beat this Chiefs offense, and you touched on just briefly a minute ago, I think time of possession is going to be key here. Uh, the, the Panthers have to almost play keep-away ball uh, to keep the Chiefs offense off the field. Granted, that might not matter because the Chiefs can score fairly quickly, but you don't want to get a guy like Pat Mahomes lathered up and in a rhythm, I, I guess, especially a, a guy that passes like he does. And knowing Andy Reid's offense, it's kind of like timing, routes, being where you're supposed to be, hitting the open guy, uh, letting your playmakers, you know, have some space to 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 make some moves, and if they can keep all that nonsense off the field, <laughs> that's even better for Carolina. Uh, the Panthers have had eight thirteen play drives this season. That's tied for first in the NFL. So we've seen them go on long drives before. Uh, the key will be: can they do it against a much improved Kansas City defense? Yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna go back, and I know you say time of possession, and I say time of possession is gonna be key. But we go back. Uh, the Chiefs beat the Texans, uh, thirty-four to, to twenty. Uh, the Texans had the ball twenty-five minutes and thirteen uh, seconds. The Chiefs had it thirty-four uh, minutes and forty-seven seconds. And then you go look at the Kansas, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Chargers. Yeah, I think the Chargers are heck of a heck of a team. Uh, the Chargers. Uh, made it close they held it close 23 to 20. the chargers kept the ball 39 minutes and 29 seconds and the chiefs had it 28 minutes and 38 seconds but the chiefs still put up uh 23 points and i give you one more uh, just for those i uh, go with the patriots now you know belichick is probably one of the smartest coaches so i'm pretty sure he had the same same thinking so you come into that game where the panthers the, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, Patriots had the ball 31 minutes, 34 seconds, and the Chiefs only had it 28 minutes and 26 seconds, and they beat the Patriots 26 to 10. That's so, it. you know, <laughs> it don't mean just because you keep the ball uh, that you're going to win 
but it does mean you probably give yourself an opportunity, but the Chiefs are just so explosive. So what's going to have to happen is the Panthers just going to have to come in. They're going to have to tackle. They, they have sacks. They're going to get knockouts, knockdowns, pressure the quarterback, get interceptions, passes. They got to defense, deflect some passes, defend the pass, and you know, just try to create turnovers, make the Chiefs really, really, really have to climb uphill, which they still have so much talent, you know, on their team that it doesn't matter what hole they're in. I just think they have a great offense, man. So uh, it's going to be a tall task. I've been going back and forth on this because uh, I did see on Thursday, I I was a little confused by, but I know why Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator was doing it where there was a lot of plays. He was only bringing three guys uh, to try to rush the quarterback and he was dropping everybody else back to try to defend the pass. Uh, Again, they were beat up in the secondary. They needed all the help they could get. Uh, It looked like they were kind of in a down formation and then, they would rush three. One of those linemen would drop back and everybody else is just playing coverage pretty much in zone. But I don't think you can do that against Kansas city. I don't think you can give Pat Mahomes a three man rush and let him just sit there and carve you up. I think they're going to have to design some kind of pressure, whether it's coming you know, like a safety blitz or something, which is why I'm saying Jeremy Chin's so important to, to we need him to play. Um, I just I'm 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 going back and forth on which way to attack this. Do you do you sit back and try to just cover everyone and and let Mahomes try to you know push that ball into tight pockets, which he can do, no. or <laughs> or do you try to rush this dude, get him off his spot? But to me, Mahomes is almost more dangerous on the run. He's almost if you flush him out and he's he's doing that bootleg to the left or right trying to find somebody. That's kind of when the Mahomes magic happens when he does something you've never seen before. Uh, and I would imagine that could throw a defense for a loop in terms of, you know, you're chasing this guy, you're chasing this guy, you got him in your grasp. He does some crazy behind the back pass or something, some nonsense that converts for a first down on like third and 16. I would think that's deflating to a defense that just chased after this dude for 20 seconds or whatever. Like, I- I'm not sure if the Panthers have enough horses on defense that are healthy to make this a battle. So I'd rather not see the Kansas City offense either at all. Yeah, well, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, they'll be there. All right. <laughs> you need to go back. They, they need to go back and look at the Raiders film. Go back and look at the Raiders versus the Chiefs. Okay, we talk mm-hmm. about time of possession. Yes, the Raiders dominated in the time of possession. 35 minutes, they kept the ball to Kansas City's 24 minutes. Okay, so the score, final score ended up still being 40 to 32. But what the Raiders did, they matched Kansas City almost yard for yard, total yards. You go back to that game, the Raiders had 490 yards total offense. The Chiefs had 413. The Raiders threw the ball just as much and for many yards as the Chiefs. The Chiefs did 333. Uh, the Raiders had 346. Now, this is where the Raiders actually were able to really take advantage and win that game. They rushed for 144 yards and only gave up 80. So the Panthers, if they're going to come out of this game winning, Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to throw that ball with fire behind it. And Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, these guys are going to have to run and get open, and they're going to have to score when they catch the ball. And the defensive line, the defense is going to have to slow down that running game of the Chiefs and get that ball, like you said, on third down, give it back to them, even though Kansas City – they are very good on third down efficiency. Even again, using that blueprint blueprint from the Raiders, the Raiders were 7 of 14, which is 50% on third down. The Chiefs were still 6 of 14. 
So the Chiefs are going to get their plays is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so the Panthers have to match the not only the intensity of the game, but they got to match. Teddy Bridgewater got to match Patrick Mahomes. He got to match yeah. it. He doesn't, and that's how the, Pan- the Panthers are going to come out of this game winning if Teddy Bridgewater can match Patrick Mahomes. And that's a tall task. I mean, that'll be a tall task for him to do. But I, I just remembered before the season began, when we started this podcast, one of the episodes we did uh, was about most explosive Panthers. And that was based off of, uh, I think it was a pro football focus article that basically ranked offensive skill position uh, groups across the NFL in terms of who were the fastest. And if I'm not mistaken, Kansas City was like second, but Carolina was fourth in terms of Curtis Samuel, uh, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, those four is the skill set compared to Kansas City with Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, I think it was uh, McCole Hardman, and another player. So uh, they match up similarity-wise in terms of offense versus offense at the skill position. Uh, I do think it'll come down to the defense. As Kansas City's defense much maligned over the past couple of years, they're actually playing pretty good uh, this season and complementing that Kansas City offense. It almost feels like Kansas City is almost like an afterthought at 7-1 and one, where it feels like now the talk of the town is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've moved up to the top of these power rankings. They're the only undefeated team left, and people are kind of talking about a collision course between those two teams. I don't think the Steelers want any parts of the Chiefs. Like I know they're a great defensive team, uh, but the Chiefs are just another animal in terms of when they want to play. And that was another thing I wanted to touch on. If Kansas City comes into this game like they do sometimes where they're kind of asleep the first half, like they just kind of toy with teams where they're not really playing well, and then the second half they come and punch somebody in the face. If Carolina can get in that part, that part in the first half where if Kansas City has a lull or not playing well and can build a lead on them, no lead is safe from Kansas City, but uh, like uh, Ian Thomas, the Panther tight end, said earlier this week uh, during his news conference, they put on their socks one at a time just like we do. Like, I don't think the Panthers are going to go into the arrowhead in awe of Kansas City by any means. Uh, if anything, I think they'll take it as a measuring stick to see where they are as a team. And I'm sure head coach Matt Rules probably preached that during practice this week a little bit. Let's use this game as a, uh, a teaching game. Uh, let's go win it. But let's see where we are. Let's see where we stack up against the world champions. This is the team that everyone considers the best in the NFL, the best quarterback in the NFL. Let's go see what we can do against these guys so we can figure out what we are and our identity. So going forward in this season, we'll know what we're about. And I think that's what they're going to kind of try to do in this game. I think Christian McCaffrey might be a huge factor in this game. Uh, I don't think the Chiefs have really played anybody that has a, a guy like Christian McCaffrey. Uh, there really isn't a guy like Christian McCaffrey. Maybe Alvin Kamara comes close, but I think he might present some defensive problems for the Chiefs in terms of uh, getting caught in some mismatches. You can throw him anywhere on the line. You can throw him out wide, put him in the slot, put him in the pistol. Put I mean, you can put McCaffrey anywhere pretty much. So I think watching McCaffrey might be a key, uh, him being fully healthy, and the Chiefs really have no tape on him for this season. So he's one of my keys to the game. Feed McCaffrey. He's been sitting for six weeks. He's ready to go. He's our best player. We're playing against the best team. Feed McCaffrey. Feed McCaffrey. Feed McCaffrey. Yeah, well, I end with I'll just say this right here. I'm gonna use another sport as an example of what the Panthers have to do against the Chiefs. Anybody that has run track and field, okay, you know you got uh, this great runner, this great sprinter, 
and uh, say you say both. Okay. Well, you know, in order to beat this guy, you got to run your PR. You got to run a personal best. So all I'm going to say is in order for the Panthers to beat the Chiefs, everybody is going to have to have a personal best on Sunday. That's all I got to say. I'd agree with that. If they if Panthers come with their A, and we've seen them play their A game this year. We, we've seen them play games where they were on top of their game. The first Atlanta game comes to mind where they just played really well throughout the whole game. Um, if they come like that, controlled, no turnovers, you cannot turn the ball over against Kansas City and expect to win the game. And every game the Panthers have played, they've had at least one turnover in it where they've lost. So if if they can get through zero turnovers and force some turnovers on the Kansas City side, kind of keep them off their their uh, their routine, so to speak. I, I I never want to sit here and say that the Panthers don't have a shot to win a game. <laughs> like, I'll never do It's the NFL, like we said. Any given Sunday, anybody can be beaten. This is the first game all season where I do not feel good <laughs> going into the game. Like, usually I go into it like, yeah, we got a shot. This is going to be great, 50-50. If we do these things, we're going to be good. This is the first game that we've come to on the schedule where I'm like, even if we do all the things we're supposed to do, I still don't know exactly if it's enough to beat this team. So, uh, you know, and it's no secret. Everybody knows how good Kansas City is. Like, it's not like we're, you know, preaching stuff to people that had no idea <laughs> that Kansas City was this good. I mean, they got a good enough track record to to back it up at this point. But yeah. uh, can the Panthers win the game? Of course they can. It's an NFL team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course they can win the game. Will they win the game? I have no idea. That's the question. (laughs) That's the million dollar question. No idea. (laughs) And like I said again, everybody's going to have to have personal best, man. They're going to have a personal best. I think Teddy Bridgewater, his personal best passing in a single game was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they lost that game 31 to 17. He had 367. So, uh, was a lot of that yards trying to get back into the game where the Bucs were playing in a soft defense. But 367, he got to do better than 367, I think. You look at the Panthers running game, I don't think they've had an individual to go over 100 yards. The closest was Christian McCaffrey, 97 yards. So and that was against the Las Vegas Raiders in game one when nobody knew what they were doing because they did not have, not have a preseason. So uh, they went to step the game up. Uh, from the passing standpoint, uh, the highest total from an individual this year, uh, DJ Moore, 120 against Tampa Bay. So uh, Anderson, Moore, Samuel, they all going to have to have personal best. Teddy Bridgewater going to have to have a personal best. Uh, whoever running that ball in the backfield, whether it's Davis or McCafferty, going to have to have a personal best. And I think that's going to be the key to the game is the running game. McCafferty, how healthy is he? Can he pound that ball like that? And also how uh, fresh or how can Davis come in and relieve Christian and he have a personal best. So that running game is going to be very vital. Teddy Bridgewater going to have to step up and match uh, Patrick Mahomes and uh, the receivers just got to get open. Uh, and just some uh, quick uh, news here before we get out of here. Uh, again, Fox NFL Sunday kickoff, 1 p.m. Panthers traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs and Arrowhead, the 7-1 and one defending champion Kansas City Chiefs. Um, just scrolling around, our good buddy Joe Person, who we need to get back on the show here sometime soon, uh, beat writer for The Athletic for the Carolina Panthers, he just tweeted out that the Chiefs had a staff member test positive for covid They'll practice, then hold their afternoon meetings virtually. The Panthers are at KC on Sunday. So the the Chiefs just released a statement on Twitter regarding it. Looks like they're going to try to get this game in anyway. 
Um, it, we'll see. We'll see. I, I will be very curious to see also how Joe Brady reincorporates Christian McCaffrey back into this offense with Mike Davis. Uh, one of the things that we have been talking about was that we wanted to see uh, Mike Davis be more of a part of the offense when McCaffrey returns. But we all know Christian McCaffrey. It's kind of hard to take him off the field. He does everything. So uh, I think Mike Davis is going to slip back down into that 7-10 carry type mode, uh, basically just kind of spelling McCaffrey. I expect McCaffrey to get the ball. I expect him to get 25 touches in this game combined between rushing and uh, targets in the passing game. And, uh, you know, you use it. You know, you get a good Christmas toy. You get it taken away from you for a little bit, but it was your favorite toy. You get it back, you're going to play with that toy. So, I mean, use McCaffrey. He's the best running back in the league. There's no reason to keep him out there as a decoy or not to fully take advantage of what he brings to the game because I don't think the Chiefs can defend him. He's the one guy we have they can't really defend. So, uh, we'll see. It's all up in the air. Like we said, any given Sunday, Panthers Chiefs, 1 p.m. this Sunday on Fox. I can't wait to see uh, the Panthers kind of use this as a measuring stick game to see where they are. And the schedule doesn't get any easier, man. Right after this, they got to take on Tampa Bay, uh, another team loaded with uh, talent on offense right now, led by the GOAT, Tom Brady, <laughs> down in Tampa. And they're playing fantastic right now, too. So in the, the span of two weeks, the Carolina Panthers may be playing against two teams that may end up seeing each other in the Super Bowl uh, come January in Tampa Bay. So good measuring stick over the next couple of weeks for the Carolina Panthers. Make sure you follow Tyrone Poole on Twitter at TyronePool38. You can follow me, Desmond Johnson, on Twitter at Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505. Uh, follow the Believe Podcast Network as well. They literally have a podcast for every single thing you can think of. Uh, the Believe in Panthers podcast, new every Thursday uh, each week during the NFL season. For my co-host, Tyrone Poole, I'm Desmond Johnson. You've been listening to Believe in Panthers podcast. We will see you next week and keep pounding. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.